Well, welcome back to the Women's Football Podcast. I'm your host, Shauna David, and once again, this is our weekly look at the women's game. And it was a busy, busy weekend, especially in the WSL this week. And coming up in this week's pod, Derby Day spoils are shared in Manchester, but Birmingham is blue despite COVID concerns. Arsenal need the three points, but are denied right at the death. In the Championship, Durham go through the gears to blunt the blades and the Foxes are on the hunt. Well, joining me this week once again on the pod, it's journalist Andrew Rayburn. Good to have you back, Andrew. Good to be here, Shonet. And making her second appearance with us, it's Hannah Mendelssohn. Hannah, good to have you back. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, guys, what a super um, weekend of football um, that we had, that we had. Of course, it was the women's football weekend. All games were available to watch um, on TV in some shape or form. A lot of very exciting fixtures. And I guess we'll start off um, with the Saturday lunchtime kickoff, um, which was the Manchester Derby. It certainly was a game of two halves. The game finished to all in the end, it was interesting at the start of the game, Rachel Brown Finnis said there didn't seem to be um, the harmony in the Manchester City camp or a clear style of play at the moment, whereas Manchester United, they all know their roles in terms of um, how clear Casey Stoney is um, on the ideas and what she's trying to implement. It was City who started um, strongest, Chloe Kelly fired in after United couldn't clear a corner and then a lovely finish um, from Laura Coombs at the edge of the area gave City um, a commanding lead and then United manager Casey Stoney had really got them fired it seemed for the second half um, I'm interested to know what she said told her players um, at half time um, Tobin Heath looked frustrated up until that point fired in a great effort and substitute Kirsty Hanson then scrambled in a rebound after an unbelievable save to deny United all three points um Andrew I'll come to you first United you know they remain top of the league do you think it was the fair results um, on Saturday yeah well as you say Sean had the, uh, the 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 archetypal game of two halves uh, what you can say from this match is that United have a lot of character um mm. I think that this was really a huge test for them uh, to go in uh, albeit at home, but but two nil down to a side to obviously the city rivals, but to a side that traditionally are very uh, very strong. It was interesting actually that that, that um, they tried to they tried to sort of in the pre match interview um, on BT they tried to suggest um, it didn't work, but they tried to suggest to Casey Stoney that you know United might be going into this as, for the first time as favourites. She tried to play that down. Um, she said, "Yep, we're we're you know obviously top of the league and everything else, but City have so much quality in their squad." As it happens, obviously she was right to kind of uh, be sceptical of that, and City, you know, took the game by a storm. But it was whatever was said at half time, whatever you know changes were made um, that did the job really. Um, obviously, yes, she made the change at half time. Um, but then it's it it, it, it was you know Tobin Heath's cracking goal that that, that, that kind of uh, uh, lit a rocket up their backsides I think and and they always say in football don't they two nils a dangerous lead and people take the Mickey out of that people say how could take two nil be a dangerous scoreline well because it is because if the other team gets a goal back then the team that's leading just really don't know whether to stick or twist and you get the momentum behind you and that's what what what's what uh, United got in the end and I think. To come back to your point, it's a long way round, really, Sean, of saying, yes, I think it probably was a fair result in the end. Hannah, in terms of Man City, there were 
flashes of you know really good play flashes of of potential but at the moment something just doesn't seem quite right there like I mentioned things just don't seem to be clicking um for City at the moment yeah and I mean they've got so many top name players it's kind of surprising to see that them sitting where they are in the table and I think you mentioned that Casey Stoney was trying to play down the fact that Manchester United were favourites going in, but they're clearly as a team, like just gelling really well in a way that um, Gareth Taylor's just not quite managing to get from his team. Um, and I think they've got a lot of work to do. So it'll be interesting to see how they kind of, if they can kind of like find their groove moving forwards. Mm, yeah, definitely. Um yeah, like you mentioned, whatever's happening with Gareth Taylor, it's as if, you know, he's got um, an incredible arsenal of players um, at his disposable. It's just getting those players to sort of um, really start clicking and really playing to their full um, their full potential. Andrew, in terms of Casey Stoney, you know, some great substitutions um, from her um, to really get United back in the game. And she's having she's doing a fantastic job, isn't she? I think she's a very clever manager. I think what she does do is she spots where things need to be improved. And that's either game to game or, um, you know, in game as well. It's very easy to say, isn't it? That when your team's two nil down, that if, if, you know, you produce some magical substitutions or whatever at half time, or, you know, you bring on two players that, that, that change the course of the game, or, you know, you switch your tactics or your formation that people, some people say, well, why didn't you start with that in the first place? Um, but actually to spot where your approach isn't, you know, isn't right to spot the, 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 the things that need to be spotted on the day. I think she's a very smart cookie. We all know that we all know she's quite an intelligent manager anyway. Um, and I think she's proving herself, you know, the master of, of the WSL at the minute. Gareth Taylor, on the other hand, and I appreciate your question wasn't about him, but Gareth is struggling to, to get to get a consistent tune out of out of City. And I do wonder whether it's just the, you know, the, the sort of the trying to fit all the star players in at once, if you like. Mm, no, definitely. Some really interesting points there. Um, and it was a fantastic game, to be fair, um, to watch. A really great spectacle. Um, moving on, we've got a lot to get through um, on this week's episode. Also on Saturday, Birmingham took the spoils against Aston Villa at Villa Park. Villa winning that goal by a goal to nil. Claudia Walker's effort fired in off the crossbar, separated the two sides in the end. I think Villa um, will be frustrated as Birmingham only had 10 fit players available and they ended up only actually naming two substitutes at Villa Park due to injuries and COVID protocols. Andrew, you were hopeful um, on last week's pod um, that Villa would could pull a result out of the bag. Um, Andrew, I'll come to you first. It, it wasn't meant to be this weekend. No, the first uh, WSL Second City derby and uh, and uh, Blues came out on top as a, as, a, as a Villa fan, I have to say. Um, I'll, I'll say a, a grudging well done to uh, our <laughs> our second city cousins, but no the 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 victory is an important one for for for, for Birmingham. Um, just pulls them away a little bit and, and and means they're not sort of looking over their shoulder. They're more looking ahead of themselves. For Villa, they've got a couple of games in hand due to the earlier postponements. Um, 
but they've still got to try and grind out some results from somewhere. Uh, they obviously got the the, the 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 really you know good win at Brighton not that long ago. They've got to try and find more like that. You've got the two goals against Brighton, but outside of that, only one goal in their other four matches. Um, mm. And they've conceded 12. So I think, um, and only one of those was in the Birmingham game. So, and obviously they kept a clean sheet against Brighton. So that shows where, um, uh, you know, where the issues are really. The league table doesn't lie in that regard. Yeah, certainly doesn't. Um, Hannah, a massive boost for Birmingham, that result, isn't it? Especially um, given everything that kind of that kind of went on. Um, I think, again, shows character and um, yeah, they'll be, they'll be very happy, won't they? Yeah, I think it, you can't underestimate how much of a positive boost that's going to be for them moving forwards, especially because, you know, they were in the news for not being able to name a full squad and then only having two subs on the bench. It's a really impressive feat. And I think that that will like give them a big like morale boost moving forwards. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we mentioned it on last week's pod, obviously with coronavirus causing um, so many problems, especially in the women's game. So it's always it's always good to see a team, you know, sort of overcome any issues and just, um, yeah, just really show what they're made of. So, um, no, sorry, Andrew. It was a, a, a good little win um, for Birmingham. Uh, we'll move on. Everton, a side that um, we've spoken a lot about on the pod this season. Many of us have been very impressed Um with what they've done so far this season. Now, they were third in the league before this weekend's game, but they could only manage a one-all draw at home to Reading, having won their first four WSL games Everton. They're now winless in three, so they've hit a bit of a bump in the road. Reading, they drew their third consecutive WSL game. A big blow for Everton, actually, is the name is that Valerie Govan is out until the new year with a knee injury. Hannah... We'll start focusing on Govan again. We've you know we've spoken a lot about her on the pod. A lot of us have been really impressed by her performances this season. That's going to be a big blow for them, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know they they were doing really well, but they do kind of rely quite heavily on on her. And mm. so I think I guess it's just that thing where they're going to have to find their groove moving forwards without her and finding a way to still win with without her in the team. Um, yeah. so it'll be interesting to see how they kind of if they can find a response but it's definitely a shame because she's such a great player to watch and a real asset to this club yeah definitely she's a certainly a fantastic talent um Andrew we've like I mentioned we've spoken a lot about Everton um on the pod so far this season now winless in three games is it a blip or is it to be expected when you know when you when teams start the season so strong and it's almost unexpected I guess this little bump in the road this dip in form lack of momentum it's bound to happen at some point isn't it yeah we mentioned didn't we that that um you know maybe we felt that their biggest tests would wouldn't maybe come until December obviously they, they had that defeat at Chelsea maybe there was a little bit of a hangover with that what I would say is I think we've got to give some credit to Reading as well Reading have got a very experienced side um a lot of you know canny players players that have been successful at Reading for a few years and also those who have been elsewhere um they're a very difficult side to play against um Reading at times and they, they they're certainly a team that uh doesn't know when they're beaten um mm. I saw them uh, come up with a, a draw in the last minute at Brighton last season um, 
and they are, you know, they have got, you know, I mean, this season already, obviously they've drawn with Man City, you know, so they are a, a good side and Everton, you know, just found that a bit of a roadblock. But I think it would be un- unrealistic to, I don't think we're after timing now. I think it would be unrealistic to have expected Everton to be, you know, up there come the end of the season. But certainly I think they would have felt that maybe they could have done a little bit more in the last couple of games. But, you know, they've still got a, a great squad of players. And uh, yeah, if they can kick on from here, then they they, 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 they could be well positioned. We'll touch on Rising quickly, actually, because they're actually one of the teams that we haven't focused on that much this season. For me, they've definitely got one of the most experienced squads in the league. Um, they've got a nice little Welsh contingent going on at Rising as well, actually, which, which I like. Hannah, where do you see... Where do you see Reading finishing this season? Or maybe finishing is a bit unfair because we're you know, not even halfway through. But where do you see, what kind of season do you think um, Reading will have? Because they, they always seem to be in and around the middle. They're kind of, they're great. We love watching them, but they haven't quite been able to sort of break in um, to be one of the, you know, one of the top three. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't think I can see them breaking into that top. I mean, top five, really, those um because the squads are so there is that imbalance within the league to a certain extent but as you say mm-hmm. Reading is a really really experienced squad and I think that they're hard to get a win against you know they make the their teams work really hard mm-hmm. and that's why you're seeing them like the likes of Man City and Everton draw against them because they are really persistent and they they won't give give you a win mm-hmm. unless like without really going for it which I think is like a real credit to the squad. And I think it makes for like quite enjoyable matches to watch because you have like everybody has to work and put everything into it. Yeah. Like Andrew, you mentioned they're a side that's got um, a lot of character. Absolutely. They have. Yeah. A lot of character, a lot of quality players who I think probably uh, certainly some of the players they've signed as well. I mean, you, you know, obviously you've got the likes of Dan Carter and, uh, and others, but there are play there are players in there who are sort of, dare I say this, they're sort of on their day players. Um, you know, so they're not they're not necessarily top performers week in, week out. Sometimes mm. they lack that consistency. Um, but certainly they are they are doughty performers as a, as, a, as a squad. And then, you know, when they're on their game, they've got some real match winners as well. Match winners and and quite a good defence as well. It has to be said, Reading. Mm. And a very good goalkeeper. A very good goalkeeper, indeed. Um, in the other game on Saturday, the late kickoff was that um, rather tasty bottom of the table tie um, between Bristol City and Tottenham. That finished two all in the end. Um, another draw this weekend. Alex Morgan made her first start, but she was substituted at halftime uh, and was replaced by Rihanna Dean. Dean was then sent off with 15 minutes to go. Great news for Bristol City boss Tanya Oxtoby, who is at home isolating after she tested positive for COVID. Obviously, we discussed on last week's episode um, the whole COVID debacle um, surrounding the Bristol Man City game that happened last weekend. Um, It was Ebony Salmon who then scored in the second minute of injury time after being brought down for the penalty that led to Bristol's equaliser. Spurs they had led twice during that game through Siri Worm and Ashley Neville Hannah only a point but um a great boost for Bristol really and they'll want to build on that win now won't they yeah I think definitely you know they needed to get some points or a point on the board 
And when you look at the table at the bottom, it's still tight. They All they need is a win and for, say, Tottenham or Aston Villa to lose and they'd go above them now. So it's not, you know, it's not out of the question that they can get out of the relegation zone. Um, they just need to kind of, like, find more of what they found at the weekend. Andrew, Spurs also will be frustrated not to get the three points. I'm right in saying that they're still looking for that first win of the season. Um, what, did you, what did you make of, of the Bristol game? Yeah, I mean, it's it was a game, re- well, it was a result that suited neither side, um, it has mm. to be said. Um, and Spurs, as you quite rightly pointed out, I mean, they've, they've only, since the original lockdown, um, they've only had that one uh, Conti Cup win over London City Lionesses, mm. um, you know, and that's a, a team sort of mid-table in the championship. So they've got a bit of improvement to be made, that's for sure. Um, a, another team that drew with Reading, um, who seem to be the draw specialist this season. Um, <laughs> but, I, I, you know, uh, Bristol City will, let's face it, I mean, Spurs... We're down to ten men, but obviously conceded late, so they will be disappointed. They were the away team, so maybe a point on the road isn't too bad. The the mm. the, 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 the thing you've you know, one of these teams has to make a, a play for it eventually. Um, otherwise, when they come to play each other again, that could end up being a relegation decider. Well, on Sunday, another big game on BT Sport this weekend between Arsenal and Chelsea. Arsenal, of course, we're looking to bounce back after their defeat against Manchester. United, um, another um, really good game, really entertaining. Hannah, who do you think will be um, the happier of the two sides? Chelsea, now unbeaten in 27 WSL games. Who do you think, like I said, will be the happier of the two teams? I think that it will be Chelsea because Arsenal kind of thought they had it in the bag and then the um and then Chelsea equalized at the last minute with a cross in from Penny Le Harbour that bounced off uh Ruben Moy, which will have just been like gutting for the side. And I think Andrew, you said that the Spurs Bristol match kind of wasn't really a good result for either of the team. And I think similarly for Arsenal and Chelsea, you know, I mean Chelsea have a game in hand, so there's less pressure on them, but at the top of the league it's tight as well, and Arsenal will have wanted to overtake. So it was, I mean, it was great to watch, but I, I think that Chelsea will probably be more pleased with the result than Arsenal. Yeah, a one-all draw. And in terms of Chelsea's performance, Andrew, do you think manager Emma Hayes will be slightly concerned that her side, I think it's fair to say, perhaps didn't create that many clear-cut, clear-cut chances in the game? You're right. I think there were there were patches of, of of opportunities for both teams that te- at times that tended to stem from the other's mistakes. Um, there was certainly a lot of possession lost in their, their own half. Chelsea actually came out from the second half uh, quite strongly. And I did think at one stage, sort of five, 10 minutes in that, that they might end up sort of, I think, you know, again, it was a little bit like the Casey, Casey Stoner thing I mentioned earlier um, mm. that it was, you know, Emma Hayes spotting changes that needed to be made. Obviously Sam Kerr came on at half time, and I felt that maybe, what had changed would allow them to exploit some anxiety that Arsenal clearly have at the back. Um, certainly when they've tried to play the ball out, there was a little bit of anxiety there. As it happens, Arsenal rode that little bit of a storm. As you say, there wasn't much in the game at times. It was a little bit cagey. There were few clear-cut chances, um, although obviously that was that strange one which, which actually was was brilliantly sort of tipped 
fingertipped on top of the bar and then came back down mm. onto the top of the bar again. I didn't realise that was possible, the law of physics, but I suppose it is. Um, had to be, really, you know, by Anne Catherine Berger. So it was, I think... There was a uh, there was a similar own goal, wasn't there? I think in the in the Premier League not that long ago with Wolves, where a cross just basically touches a defender, and the angle create the angle created for you know I think this time on the Premier League one the 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 ball went in at the near post and this course looped over the keeper. You do wonder whether there was a bit of game management Arsenal needed to employ at that stage, having just gone ahead. But you know you can't account for sort of um, you know freak accidents like that. All in all, yes, uh, I think a fair result, and I don't think either side will be that impressed with it to be honest with you and before the game they were saying oh what a great result it is for these two teams that um you know man united and man city drew with each other well it's not been i think there are only two victories at all in the wsl um uh, over the weekend mm. vivian Miedema, uh, she got an assist um in the game but we touched on her last week um andrew she seems to have struggled recently against the bigger teams um they seem to do a very good job at keeping her quiet. Do you think that's purely down to opposition tactics or um, is Miedema, is it her personal performance? What do you kind of put that down to? It could be a number of factors, obviously not knowing what's what's going on inside her head. And I think we always need to, to, to say this to sports people. I think you have to bear in mind, as fans, we shout from the terraces, or at least we used to, um, but you just, you know, you just don't know what's going on in, in, in a player's personal life or whatever. But I do think that, teams are not going to call Miedemar a flat track bully because certainly she has scored big goals in big games mm-hmm. but I think there are certainly the bigger teams are able to have the, the the strong defenders to try and kind of basically mark her out of the game and mark her out of space the important thing is for Arsenal normally that they're able to, if Miedemar is 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 distract or is distracting defenders normally that opens up space for other players uh, like a Beth Mead, for example, but that just hasn't just hasn't happened for them enough um, to, 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 to for Miedemar to sort of have an influence. But uh, you know, she I think she may have been still a little bit affected by the way Man United closed it down. Yeah, um, the final game in the WSL then saw an away win for Brighton. They won um, by a goal to nil against West Ham. Rihanna Jarrett got the only goal of the game for Hope Powell's side and that moves them four points clear of West Ham. Making small changes to your lifestyle could improve your chances of staying healthier longer. Start now by taking our free How Are You quiz. Just search One You. Well, we'll turn our focus on to the championship next. And guys, We've said time and time again, it's such an exciting division. And let's start off with the current leaders, Durham. They travelled to Sheffield United. It was a game of few chances. Sheffield United hit the post in the first half, but that was about it. Durham took the lead early on in the second half through Nicky Gears after a goal, after a goalkeeping error. Um, despite the pressure at the end, Durham held firm to stay top and unbeaten in the league at the moment. It's three games without a goal, something that disappointed Sheffield United boss Neil Redfern. I mean, I thought we did OK. I thought we played well first half. Um, missed his chances, obviously at the post. I thought we got us as tactics spot on. I thought we made it difficult for, for Durham and you know they, they, we defended a little bit deeper, denied the space in behind and I thought it caused them a problem. They couldn't work it out, they kept giving us the ball back, which was good. Um, but then we've got to we've got to put your chances in. You know, when you when you create chances you have got to put find the back of the net because it puts pressure on your back line if you don't. If we're in the ascendancy with a better side, you know, and, and if you look at their goal, it's a mistake. 
Mm. She's a goalkeeper. Yeah. You know, she's, she's, she's got either catch that tip it over the bar. Um, you know, and she palms it straight into you know into the scorer. So yeah, disappointed. And from that point, then Durham are always going to hang on. You know what I mean? They're a good side. They're organised, and um, you know they, they saw the game out quite well. There's a long way to go. I mean, that, there's a lot of these sides are going to beat one another. You know what I mean? I mean, last week Durham drew with Charlton, so drop points against Charlton. So, but I'm more interested in us and and, and how we move forward now. You know, we've we've been we've been tight at the back. We've only conceded. That's I think that's the fifth goal we've conceded this season in eight games, which is not bad. And and we've scored a lot of goals against. Some a class, some of the lesser side, but the front needs to turn up against the better sides. We need to do more against the better sides if, if we're going to get ourselves promoted. What's an achievement, Hannah, for Durham to remain unbeaten at this stage in a league that we know is quite topsy turvy? It's, it's competitive, isn't it? Yeah, I'm just so excited to see a team like Durham at the top of the championship. I think it's really great to see kind of like a team that's not linked to one of the like big clubs really performing well and holding their own week in week out and making the title race just really exciting. Hot on Durham's heels are Leicester and despite um, falling behind to a max gauntlet 30 yard free kick the, the gauntlet was literally laid down and they responded with nine goals they won by nine goals to one in the end. Leicester Andrew they're now just a point behind Durham um, in second but they have a much better goal difference. It was a hell of a game, hell of a result for them. Yeah, they have certainly have a much better goal difference now. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think that I think the Leicester players will all uh, will all sleep happily tonight. They've um, put in a good uh, performance there against you know again Coventry. Although they're not obviously a you know they're they're, they're sort of in that bottom um, uh, tier of clubs in the Championship. They are a side that can make life difficult for you. The weird, the really weird thing about um, Leicester. Um, is if you go down their results, obviously they won today 9-1, um, edged out Lewis, they beat Blackburn 5-2, uh, they won 4-1 at Palace, they beat Liverpool, uh, they've drawn with Durham, of course, so we've just said it's going well. Their only blot on that uh, that uh, copybook, if you like, um, was a defeat at London City Lionesses, and that was 4-1. Now, it just goes to show you that even the, the very best sides can have a bad day, and I do think that there is obviously, as we know in the Championship, there is more you know shocks like that to come so it'll be interesting to see what some of the the spoilers if you like in that if I can call them that in the championship do against the likes of Durham uh, Leicester Liverpool Sheffield United because there are teams in there like red like the Reddings of, of the Super League who uh, who can make life difficult but turn our focus on to Liverpool they lost more ground they drew nil nil at Blackburn Rovers Liverpool were by far the better side but we're left frustrated especially when Rinzola Baba Gide was denied brilliantly twice by Blackburn goalkeeper Alex Brooks Brooks won man of the match and Liverpool captain Neve Fahe acknowledged that they gave everything but also praised Alex Brooks for her performance in that game. The final game in the championship then saw London Bees pick up a valuable win over Lewis thanks to a rocket of a penalty from Lauren Pickett. Um, so then pick up a vital three points in the championship. Well, that's pretty much all we've got time for um, on this week's pod. And guys, before we wrap up, I think it's fair to mention, um, you know, just the brilliant coverage um, this weekend of Women's Football Weekend as, um, you know, as fans and as people, obviously, who who love the sport, Andrew, it's um, really great to see, wasn't it? Some really excellent broadcasting going on. 
Absolutely, yeah. Of course, all the the top flight games made uh, made free to watch and uh, everything. So um, uh, you know, yeah, I can't. I think it's been brilliantly organised. I think it's like the second one, isn't it? And hopefully, this time next year, when it's uh, brought back again, we'll be able to see those record crowds that we had last year. It'd be nice, mm-hmm. wouldn't it, if, if that was possible? Um, and lots of great stuff done by those who weren't playing today, further down the pyramid. Um, on social media to try and get people engaged because it's not just about the record attendances it is about the engagement and about bringing new fans to, to, to women's football. Mm. Hannah is um, you know, someone who works in the in the industry but as a fan yourself um, it's always great to see um, you know it turn into a big event that so many people get behind and that you know, obviously women's football, it's not just for one weekend of the year or it's not just for one big cup final, but weekends like this, they certainly help create a buzz around the game. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, the hashtag was trending on Twitter yesterday. It's not every weekend that you see women's football trending. And so it's good to have these moments where you've got all these derbies and all these really competitive matches because it gives people something to talk about and also like captures, I think it captures new people's attention because you know, like Arsenal were tweeting about the fact that although their men's team weren't playing, their women's team still were. And so then you're just drawing in new viewers and new fans all the time. And it's super exciting. Definitely. Now, it's been a fantastic um, weekend and it's been great watching all of the games available. Well, guys, that's all that we've got time for this week. A big thank you very much to Hannah and Andrew for keeping me company for this episode. Um, and like I say, every week, remember, we're on social media. So please do get in touch um, and let us know if what you want us to discuss, what kind of things you'd like to see on the pod. And of course, if you'd like to contribute to the pod or anything, um, we're very friendly. We don't bite, I promise. So please um, get in touch um, via the usual channels. But that's all from myself, Hannah and Andrew, and we'll see you on next week's episode. <laughs>